Scobie shook his head. They forbid access to some of our old field posts. They're unscrewed. We scrubbed anything sensitive when our people last left them. So maybe it doesn't matter. But the handbook says we should double-check those sites and remove anything which might affirm our tradition. He looked at me for approval. Purcell's unoccupied air mobile had been found in the desert 200 kilometers to the north to give our allies at the unneeded hypothesis all the answers they sought. I would have to find his remains. Scobie expected a reply. That's a corner I'm glad you didn't cut, I said. I've been haranguing them for flight plan approvals twice a day for the last week. We're still on schedule to evacuate, but that could slip if they delay us much longer, and one of those field posts has more stuff left behind than we expect. I'll talk to the High Arbiter at Alex local headquarters and someone up in the ranks at USG. I was friends with Nesbitt Edmondson and his wife Juliet when I was first posted here, if he's still around. He died. What? I peered at him. Did he misspeak? Did I mishear? I didn't know. Scobie nodded his gaze down to his desktop. Death comes so unexpectedly these centuries. I read his avoidance of my gaze as a grant to me of privacy for grief and shock. It also meant he saw no trace of a boyish longing shooting up the inside of my chest. Her husband was dead. Her other lover was dead. She might now turn to me. Scobie inhaled loudly enough for me to know he ready to speak. It happened about five days ago. Some task in the wilds went wrong, and he came back to the settlement in a body bag. If I see his wife, I'll give her my condolences. I forced my voice to sound casual. Did she stay here after he died? Last I heard, I can look her up for you. No need. She probably won't remember me. A knock on the open door turned my head. The woman looked to be in her twenties, hair thin and sandy blonde. She dressed like an office worker, in a white blouse and a pleated skirt, him just below her knee. A glance showed she lacked Juliet's depths. She looked puzzled. Are you Doshi Lee? She had an Australian accent, thick with earthy casualness, heightening the lack of depth. I am. Sorry, Doshi. From your name, I was expecting you to be ethnically Chinese. I get that sometime. You are? Cleo. Scobie cleared his throat. Cleo will be on the final ship out. Her skills are too valuable to let her go before then. To Cleo, I said. You do field work? Lies with the Alex local operations? No, Doshi. I'm in counterintelligence. We've been granted a flat for you, Scobie said, on John Maynard Kane Street a few blocks off Guru Nanak Boulevard. Cleo will accompany you and get you situated. Thanks, I replied, then turned to her. But babysitting me seems a waste of your talents. Cleo held my gaze for a second. Does she wish it were? A few minutes later, my jitney drove from the depths of the garage and parked outside the double glass doors. It opened for us as we hurried into it. I let the vents blow cold air at my face for a few seconds before I turned to Cleo. She held a finger in front of her lips, and her eyes implored me. I nodded and she moved her finger away. Doshi, tell me news from Earth. You must get plenty of news already. Muscle trembled in her neck.
The Jidney apparently picked up her sub-vocalization, the windows opaque, as if thick curtains had been drawn closed. For a moment, the cabin seemed dim, cool. She reached between two pleats of her skirt and pulled from some hidden pocket a case about ten centimeters long and three deep and high.